This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning prop firm, Fidel Crest, and is for entertainment purposes only. And I was really trying to get over that hurdle of being a break-even trader, where I was profitable one month. Like I was basically, I was able to get funded. I was able to pass prop firm challenges. I would get a payout or two and then blow. And it took Mm. me a couple months to get the hang of it. Like after backtesting it for a month, two months, I started to get pretty good at it. But I would say about six months in to the strategy that I was really starting to nail it and become consistent. So after backtesting for a couple weeks, I pretty much knew that this strategy had something going on that I had never seen. Before. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic for basically 10 years of my life. And now it's been a couple years that I've been sober. And I found that there's such a relationship between the type of personal growth you have to do as somebody who's in recovery compared to somebody who's trying to become a profitable trader. The difference between your last paycheck at Amazon and your first payout on the funded account, what was the difference? So at Amazon, I think I was doing around... I want to say 3000 a month or a little over 3000 like barely skating by. And my first payout was almost- Episode 224. All right, folks, we've got Joe Caruso coming up here on the show. Now, Joe has got a fantastic trading story for you. Uh, in fact, he hasn't been trading that long, but the reason I got him on is because he is Derek Vanderlinder's prodigy. So this guy has come out of nowhere and is doing better than Derek, who's been on the show for many years. It was only on just recently with this ridiculous 95% win rate. Uh, Joe's story is going to resonate with you. Trust me, there's so many key lessons in here that helped him find success that you're going to be able to benefit from as well. And then afterwards, we broke down uh, Joe's strategy or the strategy they use. And you also see my Facebook proof of not just where we left them off, but also updated till now. I think it's like almost 11 months worth of proof uh, of their their 95% win rate is still at 95%. So you're going to get to see that in the video. Do remember, hit subscribe, like, and click on that notifications bell to, and select all to be notified when that one drops. All right, folks, um, one more thing before we get into it. We've got something hitting the Telegram channel here on Trading Nuts. So if you're not in there, jump in there now. Something big is coming your way on the Trading Nut show, so please stay tuned for that. Head over to Telegram, get yourself signed up so you don't miss it. Right, let's hear from my sponsor and then get on with the show. Delcrest is an award-winning prop firm that funds traders with up to $2 million and offers generous profit splits up to 90%. So one thing that really sets Delcrest apart is their no minimum trading days requirement on their challenge and verification stages. On top of that, traders who successfully pass the challenge and verification stages are eligible to receive a bonus payout of up to 30k on top of their funded stage profit split payout on performance and be sure to use promo code trading that all one word to get 10 percent off your next challenge click the link in the description below or the card above to find out more all right folks here we are in trading that we've got joe caruso in the house all the way over there in pennsylvania now joe is the uh i suppose the prodigy of derek vanderlinder who we've had on the show a number of times and you would have seen his interview was recent interview or should i say charting uh work just recently and i know these guys have been absolutely killing it uh this year and last year so welcome to the show joe thank you it's a pleasure to be here you know especially being somebody who was a fan and seen so many you know over the years i was definitely like aspiring to get to this point and then you know fast forward two years and here i am yeah no i think i think derek actually said in his interview or it wasn't really an interview we're doing some charting and he actually said that you were better than him in terms of <laughs> how the approach so that, that that's something to be said given the fact that he's been doing it for for so long so uh 
let's start off by hearing your story. How did you get into trading and uh, how's it, how's the journey been so far? Yeah. So I knew nothing about trading whatsoever before the whole COVID pandemic. Um, so really COVID happened and then my brother got into stock trading and kind of told me about it. And I messed around with stocks a little bit, uh, made a little bit of money doing that a couple thousand, not even knowing what I was doing, just buying stuff because it was down 80% and then selling it when it went up. Um, but that type of stuff doesn't really replicate itself on a weekly basis. So I found that it was a very slow process. And then I came across IML or IM Mastery Academy, it's called now through like, uh, yeah, multi-level marketing. And I didn't really enjoy that too much. It kind of introduced me to trading. It definitely opened the door and I learned initially binary options, but it's very hard to be profitable with binary options I found because the risk to reward factor kind of isn't there. You have to win with 70, 80%, even better sometimes accuracy to make money. And then from that, I started to watch podcasts and dive deeper more into the traditional Forex market and people that were doing it. I came across your podcast and I started following people like Lambo Raul, Q Banks, and some of those other popular, you know, Instagram traders. From there, it was, uh, so I started messing around. I wasn't a, a student of anybody's mentorship or anything like that. I was really just doing my own thing, picking up little pieces from here, learning support and resistance from one person, learning a couple indicators from another person. And it wasn't until FX Summit of last year that I had met Derek. So going into that, I just wanted to grow as a trader because I was pretty much at the break-even stage of trading you know, going into FX Summit. I went in with an open mind with the intention of, I'm going to try to learn, you know, just keep an open mind, learn from whoever's speaking, try to meet like-minded people. And I was really trying to get over that hurdle of being a break-even trader where I was profitable one month. Like I was basically, I was able to get funded. I was able to pass prop firm challenges. I would get a payout or two and then blow it. I was able to trade good for a month and a half and then you know, mess things up. So I was really trying to find what I was missing or what I could add to pretty much bridge the gap to uh, profitability. And that that was and all trading US 30, right? And you're scalping yeah, US 30. Yeah. 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 Like I followed people like Q Banks and people that were trading just indices and it was very fast paced. You know, it's not really the best thing to get introduced to right off the bat because then you're always expecting that fast money. Mm. And what, and what time frame were you sort of mainly scalping on? Was it very low? It was mostly between the one hour and the five minute. Okay. So I was using one hour for zones and then five minute pretty much for entry. But I was trading very support and resistance based and not many other confluences to go with it. So, you know, my win rate wasn't usually better than like 50, 60 percent. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, so on the FX summit, funnily enough, I got invited to go along to that, but it was, we were, we couldn't get out of the country at the time. Uh, that obviously uh, was a game changer for you. And I mean, how did you manage to meet Derek and, and hit it off with him? What was the sort of, what was the genesis there? Yeah. So I encourage everybody to go to it, especially like this year, if you didn't go last year, go to it because it can be a life-changing event. Like if I look at how events changed in my life, I went to FX Summit. Um, it's actually really funny because Derek almost didn't go to FX Summit. I know there was some stuff going on in his life and he almost didn't end up going at all. Um, but it was just the way it was almost like divine intervention. Um, I went there 
So when they have the expo where everybody is just at their own booth representing their company, you could just go up and talk to whoever you want. I saw there was big crowds of people by some of the bigger guys. And then I saw Derek didn't always have a big crowd of people. So I went over, you know, saw who he was, what's he about? Um, you know, he told me he had that free YouTube course. This was like, I think he had just made that YouTube course. That's out that 25 video course. That's free, which is, I recommend that for anybody that that was like amazing. And from the night that I had met him at FX summit that night, I was already watching the videos. I was back testing. I think it was a Saturday too, when I, but I just remember like from that point on for like three solid months, I was back testing, watching his videos and messaging him with all these questions about the strategy. And he was actually getting back to me. So we were like working already at that point a little bit rather closely because I was constantly in touch with him. And so, so when, um, when did things click? So you were obviously learning the strategy at some point, you know, things you, you would have, I guess, had a good grasp of it. Derek answered enough of your questions. How did the first foray into it go? I mean, what were the, what, what was your first experience? So after back testing for a couple of weeks, I pretty much knew that this strategy had something going on that I had never seen before. Now, as somebody who's only been in the market for, you know, two, maybe three years at this point, maybe that's not saying a whole lot, but it definitely stood out. And I was very quick to see how this strategy was very set in stone. Like I hadn't really come across anybody or any strategy that had such a defined, you know, list of confluences for entry, an exact point of when you move your stop to break even, an exact rule for where's your first area of take partials. Where's your take profit going to be when you have to get out early if certain things are going against you? It was so clear cut and defined. And that was really what I was missing was that disciplined set of rules for entry, break even, partials, take profit. Like everything was so clearly defined. And that was really the the main thing that stood out to me. And it took Mm -hmm. me a couple months to get the hang of it. Like after back testing it for a month, two months, I started to get pretty good at it. But I would say about six months in to the strategy that I was really starting to nail it and become consistently profitable. Okay. Okay. And so it, it is interesting to get that um combination because it is a it's a it's a high win rate, high reward, which is it shouldn't it shouldn't exist, right? It should not exist <laughs> with mechanical in and out partials, all that sort of stuff, rules. So it is it is a phenomenon in the whole like trading world i mean you don't get that very often uh i mean what were some of the things that you struggle with at the beginning in that first six months when it just you know for whatever reason it wasn't working and how did you overcome those so it was really a matter of i was taking a little too many i was taking too many trades early on i was taking everything that looked good so the four hour time frame is the main time frame that derek uses and i pretty much adapted that as well i was coming off of more of a scalping intraday trading and converting or slowly progressing i would say to more of a swing trading style so that in itself took me a while to get used to actually being in trades for more than just you know a couple hours holding trades for a couple of days. And of course, the trading psychology, I feel like it's very hard to be profitable in your first year of trading, just because of the psychological lessons that you have to learn. As far as you know, the over leveraging and you know, there is no 100% trade that you know, is going to work out that you can risk extra on. 
So it was, it was about my second two years or two and a half years since I started my journey where everything started to click six months of learning and practicing that new strategy of Derek's um, that I really started to implement. And I started to be able to weed out the trades that would just end up being break even because having a 90% win rate or sometimes even higher, a lot of, there's still some break evens in there, you know, that still close out as, you know, they close out maybe five, 10 pips in profit. It's basically a break even, but I started to learn how to even weed out some of those unnecessary trades that if there's something going against uh, the trade on the higher time frame, most of the time, those trades don't always work out. They'll go 40, 50 pips, and then it comes back to break even. So, And, and what the, would you be seeing on like a higher time frame that would, would stop you from taking a trade? And, uh, so like a moving average going, uh, like a moving average going against me. Or if, so if I'm taking a shark fin on a four hour and then I hop onto a daily and time sorry, frame just, in there. Do you want to just let the guys know what a shark fin is if they've missed the prior episodes? Yeah, of course. So a shark fin, we use the TDI indicator for, and it's essentially when the RSI is either above the 75 or below the 25, and it comes out of the Bollinger Band that's on the TDI. And it essentially makes a shark fin, mm, the exact okay. same shape of a shark fin. So it's pretty easy to identify if you have it in front of you. But it's, in a sense, it's a form of oversold, overbought, extreme mm. oversold, extreme overbought. Okay. So, 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 yeah. So back to the, uh, so I think people have got it now. So back to the, uh, the higher time frame giving you an out. So you don't want to, you want to filter out that trade. So you, you were saying you, if you see a shark fin on the four hour, was it? Or yeah. Like if I'm entering on a four hour based on a shark fin at an area of confluence and I go on the daily and there's an area of structure that I see on the daily or a drawing a trend line that's pretty much in the way of my trade. You know, things like that, that I didn't really notice early on, because early on, I would stay on the four hour when I saw a shark fin hit a moving average, either the 50, the 200 or the 800. I was pretty much jumping in. I was taking like every shark fin that I saw. And it's unbelievable that most of them actually play out, even if there's not a whole lot of confluence. But the ones that do have several things lining up, I mean, those are the ones that really run for a couple hundred pips. All right, folks, I'm here at Blackpool Markets headquarters in Auckland, New Zealand. You can see this amazing view behind me of Auckland Harbour. Now, talking about views, if you do want to get free TradingView Pro, then all you need to do is trade one lot a month at Blackpool Markets, and they're going to give you free TradingView Pro. So, folks, to find out more, click the link in the description below or the card above. And it's funny because, like, I mean, I know Trendlines was the, the thing that Derek reached out to me about just recently, saying, hey, look, I want to show people how I do these Trendlines. Uh, and... I mean, I've had, and we said that in, in his show, so many guests come on and, you know, say, oh, you know, trend lines don't work, that kind of thing. <laughs> but the reality is, I mean, I use trend lines and, and mm-hmm. they work fine. They work really good, in fact. And <laughs> I mean, what what's what sort of, I mean, how much, if you had to give a sort of percentage weighting on, you know, the, the likes of using an indicator shark fin pattern with a trend line, what would you say are more powerful for you to to look at the trend line or the indicator or price action? I would say I love the combination of all of them. That's a funny thing because that's really what makes the best trade is when you have all of those line up. I would put price action as probably the most important and then the TDI being the second 
And then I would say moving averages and trend lines following that. And then, you know, Fibonacci extension, that's a retracement. That's kind of like the last area of confluence that I'll look to, but I won't specifically trade off of a fib uh, retracement level, but I will trade off of a shark fin at a 200 moving average at an area of resistance. And if there's a trend line in there, that's even better. So we really look to merge as many confluences together. And I think for that reason, that's what makes the strategy and those trades have such high win rate is you're getting, you know, four or five different confluences. Maybe, you know, you're using moving averages, trend lines, support resistance, uh, Fibonacci retracement, TDI. And then we also use the multiple timeframes. Like on a four hour, we'll always check what the daily looks like and what the weekly looks like. Okay. And so what were the things in that first six months that, uh, that, I mean, you said looking at the higher timeframes was one of them. Were there anything, was there anything else that you sort of saw with some of the losses you may have taken that you were like, I could have avoided that because of X, Y, Z? Yeah, it was, I say the most important thing was definitely the time frame correlation because I was able to spot when things looked good on, you know, to be able to notice if something is very oversold at resistance with the moving average there, like to be able to merge all that together wasn't too hard. It was more of, you know, if the daily looks something, you know, if it looks bearish on the daily and I'm looking to buy on the four hour, how it doesn't necessarily mesh together. Or if the weekly is very bearish, then I'm looking to buy on the four hour and realizing like that, why is this going against me? And then, you know, I'd lose a trade, look at the weekly or the daily and say, you know, there was a hidden divergence off the 50 moving average going against me. And here I was buying this little move that went 30, 40 pips. Meanwhile, it was in the middle of a 300 pip swing going against me. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's really getting that grasp on how the higher time frame or another time frame is affecting your current time frames trade, which is key yeah. and probably one of the more difficult things to to get over a psychologically, because you've got to psychologically tell yourself, I've got to check all the time frames. I can't let any like, leave mm -hmm. any stone unturned. And B, uh understand how it sort of works in correlation to the time frame you're on, which is another thing that I think people kind of struggle with a bit. Uh, now, what about like uh, if you had to sort of compare stats with that six month period where you were getting from, you know, starting to to doing well to the six months or six months plus onwards when you actually had cracked it? I mean, what are they what are your stats look like if you had to break it down into like win percentages, um, average risk to reward, trades per week, that kind of thing? So I had a free signal group that I was running from, I believe it was August or September up until December. Now, this was before I was working with Derek with Trader Society Academy. And in that group, I had about roughly an 80% win rate on the trades I was calling. Average risk to reward was probably about a one to three. Um, but then I noticed since me and Derek have started doing Trader Society Academy, which has been since like the beginning of December. So the last three months, um, both of our win rates is between 90, 95% pretty much. I mean, like 80% so and one to three is still pretty good, right? I mean, you can't complain <laughs> about that. That That is, is awesome. But I suppose the combined nature of 
both of you looking at at trades as as just the a force force that you can't be you know you can't be beaten. Um, okay, and what and that's the risk to reward on that one. Did did you say? It's still about a one to three on average because right, it yeah. really depends on when I take partials. I usually take a third off out of the first area of confluence going against me, mm. and then I'll usually take my second partials or most of the trade off at the take profit. But there are times I will leave a runner, you know, yeah. for like even an extra bit. Like if the, if I'm going with a higher time frame on trades like that, sometimes I'll even hold past the original take profit and hold like a little bit of a runner. But at mm. that point it's all risk-free because we always move our stop loss to break even after a certain point. So most of these trades become risk-free relatively uh, quick. Mm. And so that 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 runner, I mean, what percent would you leave on a runner? So if you're taking a third off at the start, bulk off for this TP level, what's the runner percentage on average? I usually do a third, a third, and a third. Okay, right. So it is a, it is a good yeah. a good chunk, right? Okay, but yeah. you if it, but if that runner comes back and gets stopped out, you've trail the stops higher than obviously break even or you're going to get some money or um, is it going to the runners either I'll either going to run or not i'll still cover make sure the swap is covered um like the the spread the commission so i'll still put it like you know 10 20 even 30 pips mm. but i don't really trail it like 50 pips or anything yeah. major like that yeah okay okay cool um now what about uh like things, you know, we trading every day. Uh, what instruments have they changed at all? So from the six months that you're, you know, getting better, and then to the, you know, going forward now. Yeah. So previously, I was definitely very heavy on US thirty, just because that was uh, what I had known for a solid year, year and a half. Almost most of my trading in this trading FX was very heavy on indices. Um, where now it's completely mixed. You know, we look at every single pair, the three major U.S. indices. We look at the DAX, silver, gold. But the thing is, because these trades are so particular and so so many things have to line up in order for a trade to be valid, we're still searching. If we add them all up, it's probably 35 or 40 instruments with all the pairs, all the indices, commodities. And there's still days that there's no trade that lines up. You know, mm. so it's a very, things have to align a very certain way, but I think I've become more patient over time because now I have the stats that prove it's, I get paid to wait. Mm. You know, it's not, it just doesn't pay to cut my win rate down and take all the trades that like look okay, that are kind of yeah. iffy. Yeah. Which is, which is another thing that like, I think is a big hurdle for people to go, I'm just, you know, happily go through and miss every opportunity that could have worked out and like i mean what i i tend to do is i'll draw a line where i think that you know i'd like to take this trade but i'm not gonna take it for these reasons and then the next day or whatever next candle i'll go and check it and see would it have worked ah oh, yeah it did or it didn't and then you go okay well there's a reason or it worked and it mm -hmm. it gave me like half an hour and you're going well yeah you would have made some money but you would have probably just you know, giving it all back and you wouldn't have taken profit. So it's little tricks like that. Now, what about like your typical trading day? I mean, how do you uh, structure it? What does it look like for you? So I'm Eastern Standard Time. 
So for my time, I'm basically waking up at six o'clock every day, which is three hours after London open. So I'm catching the middle of London and I'm basically trading until London close around noon. And we do our live session for Trader Society Academy Monday through Thursday. And our trade session is running for about four hours. So I'm doing that from nine till about 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon. Cool. So essentially okay. I'm at the computer or, you know, basically trading for about five or six hours in total, but because everything is on the higher timeframes, it's not always, you know, don't have to be super active. We're able to back test on the sessions in between answer questions, pretty much do a little bit of everything while we're waiting on certain setups to happen. Okay. And and I know Derek said that he goes across every time frame. He's got every time frame that he looks at. Are you the same? I don't look at the smaller time frames too much. I really like the major or main confluences to be on the four hour daily or weekly. I would say those are the main time frames that I stay on. And have you got like a, a sort of record of all the trades you've taken, time frames the trades are on, all that sort of thing to then go back and I suppose review and and see if you know oh look you know we we, we keep getting winners on the five hour time frame um, more so I suppose the problem with with you guys is you got a like ninety to ninety five percent win rate so so it's hard <laughs> to work out what doesn't work um, but is there any are there any stats around this that you sort of keep a log of? Um, not necessarily. I mean, Derek definitely goes a little heavier with the three hour, five hour, eight hour time frame than I do. I typically tend to stick to more of the traditional time frames. Um, but there are times that something looks better on the five hour than it does on the four hour, or even just that one hour, because that one hour changes the whole moving average location where a trade that's lining up good on the TDI. Uh, might not look good on the four hour, but then you switch to the five hour and you could see that it's actually coming to an area that makes a lot of sense. So sometimes even that one hour difference, three hour, five hour, uh, that TD, the TDI and the RSI placement can make the difference between taking a trade or not taking a trade. Okay. Now I'm going to sort of jump back a little bit and then forward rather quickly. But so talking about, I suppose, what's quite interesting is to find out how you uh, overcame the capital aspect of trading so i.e getting some capital to trade with and or um making that shift from paid employment which i know you you said you had a job beforehand uh to going full-time trading i mean how did all that play out for you so getting the capital so was, and, and deciding on going full-time yeah so i had the last job i had quit was about a year ago so it's been about a year that i've been mostly full-time when i first quit my job it was like when i had first gotten a funded account before i even got my first payout <laughs> i got the funded account like i was able to trade before i went to work um, when i was a delivery driver for amazon so like as soon as i started to past the prop firm challenge. And I was thinking I was like a week or two into it, like still a couple of weeks from getting paid. And I was already like, oh, I'm quitting the job. Um, yeah, definitely a little bit early. I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, Joe, Joe must have been miserable. Point, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just happy to get out of that. <laughs> um, but even after that, I did like, I pretty much did some side jobs because I was always 100K funded. So, I mean, since then I've flipped through a couple different 100K accounts, but now I've been on the same 100K account for three, four months now, but I've pretty much always gone the route of uh, funded, you know, through a prop firm. 
I found that was, you know, for someone who didn't have 30,000, just sitting around 40,000, I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you're definitely looking to increase that. So you got it's you got a hundred thousand in funding, and that's been enough for you to be, you know, with a ninety percent success rate and a uh a three to one risk to reward is obviously enough every month to to make a withdrawal from that, which is awesome. Um now uh if we had to sort of talk about like what what do you think made you different from other traders out there? What a I mean, it sounds like you have got a different angle um than what a lot of other people go into it with. What would you have sort of put it down to what would you put it down to um so i uh, i think some of it has to do with just my personal drive i mean i have three young children i have a one-year-old a two-year-old and a three-year-old so and you I quit your job everything. before and you quit your job when you got amazon was it have you got a partner who works or is i mean no she's pretty much been a stay-at-home mom ever since wow. she had kids I mean, it was just kids back to back, basically. So I think that created so much pressure on myself that I was working jobs, you know, two jobs at times, back to back jobs, that as soon as I was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel with trading, I was so driven and so motivated to, I think that also helped me follow my plan and risk management and things like that, where once I really saw that was within grasp, you know, as I got funded and then, you know, working towards a payout, able to see that this could really be an end to um, just the, all those hours, not being able to see my kids grow up, you know, so it, I really had a strong drive to make things work and be able to spend time with my family. And I, I think I really stuck to the plan a lot. When it came to Derek's strategy, some people come across a strategy, they try it for a week, they try it for a month, they try it for a couple trades and they're like, oh, this is just like anything else. Um, I think what set me apart from so many other people that say have watched Derek's course or uh, try to trade his way was just, I stuck with it, you know, month after month, week after week, that it's just been so long that I haven't turned, you know, I haven't turned my back to it. I haven't really straight away from the strategy either. Tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts? Introducing my Robot Builders Club. With our platform, you can build bots in minutes, not weeks, without any coding required. Get lifetime access to my video course, VIP community, and over 40 ready-made robots. Works with MT4 or MT5, and as a bonus, you'll get three months access to my Robot Lab, where we build and test bots on live calls every week. Join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter, not harder. Click the link in the description to learn more, get the free training, and download a free robot. And why do you think that is? Why do you think you managed to stick with this one versus like going, uh, well, you know, I had a, had a couple of bad trades and, and I'm going to look for something else. What, what was the difference here? There's got to be a difference, right? And I think other people might learn from this. Yeah, I think as it's, it's hard to describe it because there's such an industry standard. There's such this standard of naked trading is the white, uh, the right way to trade. If you're not using, if you're using indicators, you're like an amateur, you don't know what you're doing. It's such a stigma, I would say. And I found that this strategy, because again, it's going to sound so like cliche or whatever the word is, but it is like a holy grail of strategies that if you are patient, you stay disciplined and you wait for your confluences and your timeframes to line up, you are almost, almost guaranteed to win. Not 100% guaranteed, but again, we've been maintaining a 90% plus win rate over the series of months. And I think Derek's going on like a year or so of 
maintaining a 96% win rate. And I don't know anybody else in the industry that can do that, especially mm. people that don't use indicators. Cause I yeah. feel those indicators make all the difference because I can look at that TDI and it will stop me from taking trades that I normally would have taken in the past, just because, you know, it's, Oh, it's bearish and a support might become a resistance where now it's, you know, there's a combination of three indicators. There's a specific way of using trend lines. There's time frame, multiple time frame analysis. And I don't understand how people don't use indicators or how they even do as good as they do without, it, it literally helps me weed out the bad trades. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I, I look at indicators as well. Um, and it, it is definitely like, if I didn't have them, I, yeah, same kind of thing. I'd be, <laughs> I mean, I can see I, when I take a bad trade, I can see that like why I, that trade didn't work out. And I immediately know, and usually, because if it's on a lower time frame, I'll be like going, oh, I immediately know why this trade's not going to work out now. And I get, mm-hmm. I'm, at that point, I, I know I should just exit and I'll end up, usually I'll let it have to stop. Um, anyway, um, one thing I did want to ask was, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but difference between your last paycheck at Amazon and your first payout on the funded account, what was the difference? So at Amazon, I think I was doing around, I want to say 3000 a month or a little over 3000, like barely skating by. And my first payout was almost 8,000. Wow. <laughs> That's and, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was definitely like almost double. And you know, the amount of hours I was putting in was so substantially different that it just made it so much more worth it to just trade over you know, something else. And this is just the beginning. You know, I look at it as I'm still like, this is basically my third year of Mm. trading in general. Mm. So I know that, you know, I look at Derek as somebody as where I could be in a couple more years as, as he himself has also just slowly gotten better. And even, you know, he went from maybe a 90% success rate a couple of years ago to being like 96% now. Yeah. So and he said that he said that you you didn't take that trade that he took and lost or or you in on the stream or something you didn't take the trade so that's where he's like putting you almost above him in terms of um of how good you you've managed to get now talking about our mindset thing I mean did you have any mindset issues around like you know talk about patience around holding trades or or anything like that did you have to get frustrated at all at any point and you had to sort of get yourself in the right mindset. Like, I mean, some of the guys that come on the show are doing things like, you know, an hour's meditation before they jump on the charts, uh, uh, you know, having to go to the gym, all that sort of stuff. Do you need to do any of that? What do you do? I'm definitely big on the aspect of prayer and meditation and the spiritual aspect because I'm also in recovery myself from drugs and alcohol. I mean, in my powers, it, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic for basically 10 years of my life. And now it's been a couple of years that I've been sober. And I found that there's such a relationship between the type of personal growth you have to do as somebody who's in recovery Mm. um, compared to somebody who's trying to become a profitable trader. Mm. The aspect of being disciplined of, you know, you have to do what you don't want to do. We want to be in trades all the time, but it's not good for us. We're going to lose money. There's so much of a relation. And I found that, you know, spirituality was a very big part of my recovery. 
And I found that the same thing in trading, it helps me definitely stay balanced and stay centered. And the aspect of helping other people is also very big that I feel mm. in turn helps myself quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing, um, one thing I'd like to ask is what about if you had to give a bit of advice for a retail trader who's struggling, what would that advice be? I would definitely tell people to get introduced or start to learn how to use indicators. Because like I said, I think it's such a self-destructive or such a, such a bad thing in this industry that people talk so bad against it, but yet it does so much good for people. Like if it can increase your win rate, help you find better trades, um, why would you, why would you not use it? Why would you tell somebody not to use it? Because I know early on in my journey, it was like shunned upon. I just noticed everyone I was watching, they're like, oh, I don't need indicators. Like it's going to cloud your chart. You won't know what's going on. People that use it, they're fake mentors. All this stuff that I found out, like now that I'm doing so good myself, I'm like, why do people say these things? Yeah. So I would say, don't get stuck up. You know, don't feel that you're above using indicators. Yeah, I suppose indicators unfortunately can't defend themselves, you know, and and they they haven't got a voice, so it's easy to to for, for them to get a bad rap uh, rap, and it and it's I I think it gen I think it originates from the moving average crossover. I literally think that's yeah. that's what it is. I think people are like moving average crossover doesn't work, and <laughs> therefore all indicators are bad. Which you know, yeah. I think there's a case for them. I definitely do. I definitely do. Now um, we're going to run through, through some quick fire questions here, and uh, then we're going to wrap the show up. So, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? About two years, two and a half years. What's your favorite entry setup? I would say a hidden divergence on the four hour. So going with the trend. A hidden divergence where it's a level of either resistance turned support or support turned resistance. And I only take hidden divergence with the 50 moving average. So going with the trend, I can expect that if I'm getting in a lower, a higher low, that I'm going to uh, take the trade to the next high or the next low if it was a bearish trend. So those type of trades get the best risk to reward because you're taking it past structure. You're taking it to a new high or to a new low. So I find those tend to be the best trades. Uh, what's your recommended trading book or resource? Um, probably Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. Uh, what about walk, uh, do you want to walk us through the worst ever trade you've had? <laughs> the worst ever trade? Yeah, that's essentially been an instance of where something was, I don't remember the exact pair, but I know there's been a couple instances of this type of setup happening. And I had gotten caught up in them a couple times um, earlier on when I was learning this strategy was when something looked really good on the four hour and say the TDI was a massive shark fin. So extremely oversold. This thing is coming up. It's coming up to a moving average. It's oversold. It's at a resistance. But on the daily time frame, it's coming off of a trend line and a whole nother moving average down low that was explaining why there was such a massive push up. And I would trying to short it because, you know, I saw the shark fin figuring, you know, price was just going to react because, you know, two or three different things lined up. 
But I learned that two or three confluences doesn't always beat the higher time frame if it's going against you. Mm. That weekly or daily definitely trumps over whatever you see going on on the four hour chart. Yeah. So essentially repeatedly trying to sell something that looked good on the four hour, yeah. but was very bullish on the daily or the weekly. Yeah. I, 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 I hear you actually on that because I've had similar experiences where it's like, oh man, this is the perfect setup. It's like literally picture, picture perfect. And exactly the same thing happens. You get smashed in the face and go, how did that not work? And it's it's high time frame, high time frame stuff every mm-hmm. single time. Now, um, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I would say it's so important to be patient patient in trading. And I know people say that, but I realized in hindsight after the years that have gone by and the blown accounts was always trying to make it too fast. And I didn't seem to realize that if you lose your money too fast, it takes you out of the game. Then you have to sit on the sidelines and that demo trading doesn't hold the same value that even if you're doing a prop firm challenge, I feel that is much better because a lot of people do treat that as if it's real money. Um, so whether it's a small live account or even a small prop firm challenge that either of those is better than just a flat out demo account because the emotion isn't there. So if you blow all your money and you blow your account in your first three days of trading, you got to wait for your next paycheck. And now you're trading demo. And I realized that that didn't really, I didn't progress trading it all that way. So taking it patient, like being patient, taking it slow, and really keeping that leverage down because you won't regret using lower leverage, using a smaller lot size, but you will regret using too high of a lot size to where, you know, you can't even hold to your stop loss type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Great advice. Now, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Um, either on the, through the website, which is traderssociety.com. Or on Instagram, my Instagram handle is the Joe Caruso. Awesome. Well, look, a big thank you to Joe for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links he's just mentioned, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Joe in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, there you have it. Interview done and dusted with Joe. Now, do remember we shot a video afterwards where he breaks down the trading strategy they use to get that 95% win rate. You're also going to see the MyFX book proof the sort of before and after like last time we had Derek on and then all the way up to what we've got now with Joe uh, the track record just continues all right folks do remember hit subscribe like and that notifications bell while you're clicking around down there finding the show notes and also make sure you subscribe to that telegram channel because we've got something new hitting very soon all right folks thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one